Hey, Northwest Arkansas. Welcome to another episode of Hey, Hey, NWA. Uh, this week on Hey, Hey, NWA, we have Zach's good friend, Chad from Caddy Wampus. Chad Moppin. Yes. Zach, do you want to talk about him for, for just a little bit? Yeah. So Chad, funny story. Uh, Chad is responsible for the first quote unquote job I ever got in Northwest Arkansas. Um when I first moved up here, I was calling around to graphic designers and screen printing shops, seeing if there was any screen printing jobs open. And uh, I got a hold of Chad somehow just by Google searching, and he gave me a call back, which was not the case of most screen printers in the area. It's kind of sad. And he's not I'm so even, sorry. He, yeah, he's not even a screen printer, but he was like, I might have a job for you if you're interested. And so he introduced me um, to my current boss. Um, back in June of 2016, so last summer. Um, Feels like that was just a second ago. Anyway. It does. Um, But so he introduces me to my current boss, and my current boss says, hey, can you hang sheetrock? And I said, yes, I can hang (laughs) sheetrock. And so for a week I hung sheetrock and painted sheetrock and basically did renovations, and then I went and worked for six months in Bentonville, not doing screen printing. <laughs> this is the this is the side of Zach that I didn't know. Yeah, before. <laughs> and then I uh, then ended up back down here in Fayetteville at the screen printing job I'm at now. Um, but yeah, Chad Chad is responsible for my first temporary job that I got up here. So. Yeah, and let me let me tell our listeners, I've been getting an earful from Zach about this Chad guy for the, like the longest time. He's like, we gotta have him on the podcast. We gotta have him on. The-. So Zach is getting his wish. Yeah. right now. Well, in even in that first conversation we ever had, he talked about creating a community of craftsmen, and that to me was like really enticing because I was like, oh, I can get down on that. That sounds like a blast. I would love to be a part of something like that. And uh, in being away from Fayetteville and working in Bentonville, I kind of saw Caddy Wampus come up from out of the dust mm. and kind of cheering from the back row, you know, being like, yeah, <laughs> he's doing the thing that we had a conversation about. <laughs> and uh, so it was good grief. I just had so much fun in this conversation because he got to talk through a lot of the stuff that I didn't know about. Also, just I'm, you know, I'm not a part of like the Fayetteville creative community, you know, like I don't live in Fayetteville. And so, um, you know, Zach is closer to Fayetteville than I am. Um, and so, and I didn't know Chad at all before and just being able to talk to him and just hear his depth behind everything, um, that he does and his passion and, um, such an entrepreneur. Uh, he's a go-getter. It was great. It was awesome. Just cool guy, cool guy all around. So, yeah. We, uh, we talk about Caddy Wampus. We talk about uh, his own personal journey of becoming an illustrator and an artist. Um, and then we sidetrack into like what is real life and how do we create the thing we want to make and um, what does it look like to keep pushing when things are difficult. Like it goes a lot of different places, but it's a, 
If you're looking for some life advice, Chad's a pretty good well to draw from. And entertainment, like at the yeah. same time. It's kind of crazy how those blended together. With that, let's get started. Swear warning. While we very much enjoyed our conversation with Chad, we did use dirty words. Many a swear, unfortunately. Many a swear. Uh, so you may have noticed an explicit tag on the podcast. Or you didn't, and this is your chance to get out now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just so you know, we uh, there is some wordy dirds in the podcast. Preach. And... And that's okay. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, but so many that I'm not even going to take the time to yeah, count them. Yeah, normally we count them out. <laughs> but this time it's just kind of like a, well, you decide. How about, oh, it's a challenge to the listener. They get to count how many instances of every word there are. And then you can email me. Yeah, and you get a prize. If you, you get a prize of me saying someone did it. Someone counted all the H-E double hockey sticks. Anyway, so now anyway. that you've been warned about the swears, you've been so warned. Let's get started. For our listeners, tell us what it is that you do. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Chad Moppin. Uh, I'm also uh, work under the handle of Big Bot Design. That's my graphic design service. Um, I started that about seven years ago. I uh, moved up here to work at a business, and that didn't work out, and so I just started on the fly. And I did a lot of contract work and things and eventually built up my own clientele. And then after that, I started developing an art imprint where I could do sort of nerdy art prints and T-shirts. And, um, and I've got a lot of plans for it that I have barely touched on because it's just hard. You're trying right. to pay bills and get things done and then also do that. Um, I want to do comics out of it. Um, I have little characters I make up like Frank and Ott and mm-hmm. different things. So I have just little motifs I play with in that. And then one of the, um, you know, I, I went, I, li- I lived in a perfectly nice community for a long time, but it wasn't, didn't have a creative community. Yeah. So it was very frustrating. So we moved up here. And so now I have this wonderful creative community to participate in. Where was that before? Uh, it's in central Arkansas. It's a town called Moralton. Yeah. And my dad Moralton. actually lives out in rural Arkansas, about 30 minutes from there called Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hell. <laughs> Anyone out there that lives there, no offense, but you you live in hell. Uh, <laughs> maybe you enjoy hell. I'm not judging you, but it's hell. Um, it, it's it's fine, but it's just very desolate. There's nothing. There's no culture culture at all. Mm-hmm. There's a little convenience store. That's it. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to go do anything, you've got to drive an hour. So you're very cut off, which suited my dad just fine. Because I think that's, he had me when he was older, and so we moved out there when he retired. He retired really young. I thought he was really old, but he was like 53. What kind of work did he do? Uh, he worked for the, he was a military guy, and then okay. he retired, and he did work 12 years for the IRS. Okay. And he was a frustrated artist, hmm. and he kind of, uh, I don't think he believed in himself enough. I think he could have done a lot more. And uh, he had a really rough upbringing, and I think he had a lot of, uh, you know, people have a momentum to their lives. And we like to think we can control all of it, but we really can't sometimes. Mm. And so I look at him that way. It's like he could have done other things, but I think that kind of caught up to him, his mm. past and his background. So anyway, it's a long story. I want to do comics about all this because he's very interesting to me. Um, he's also very frustrating, but um, he's very complicated. 
Um, yeah. But anyway, he wanted to go out and, in my opinion, cut himself off and be left alone and not have to deal with anything he didn't want to deal with. Hmm. So if you're, I was a 12-year-old little artistic nerd, so it was great for him, but it sucked for me. But there were nice people out there. I had good friends. I had a pretty good school experience, but I just didn't have any outlet. So I uh, mean, what was your closest thing to an outlet that you did have? Nothing. Not nothing at all. You no. didn't. When I was in ninth grade, I asked my art teacher at this small school a uh, question about two point perspective, and she said, "Oh, you know more than I do. You can do whatever you want in class. I'll just give you what." Hmm. And my oh, friends were like, go. "Oh, cool!" And I was like, "No, I I don't know anything." Yeah, yeah. Like I knew, I knew, I was very overwhelmed with how much I had to learn. Hmm. I went to my dad. I had a little, found a little mail order art course. I think it was one hundred twenty five bucks, and we lived on his. Uh, uh, Air Force retirement, which was $630 a month. And even in the mid eighties, that was well below the poverty line. Like we were hmm. very poor. So, uh, I mean, we had everything we needed. I'm not putting them down, but we were, there wasn't money for anything right, really. Right. So I remember one night showing him this ad and he looked at me and he was very frustrated and said, do you really need this? And I went, no. And in my head, I just thought you're on your own. Don't ask anyone for help ever again. Hmm. You just got to figure it out. Right. And I don't know why I was determined to do it, but I'm glad I was. But um, I really, I don't know. There's just an innate thing that felt like, well, I have to do this. I have to figure this out. Yeah. And so I would read comic books. I would read interviews with Frank Miller in comics interview where he talked about how he did some process and I would just try and reverse engineer it. Like, well, what are they okay. doing? This doesn't make sense. And you couldn't go to the internet. There was no way to, figure any of this stuff out mm -hmm. school was out because i mean i didn't have 130 bucks for a mail order course so right. i was gonna go to art school so uh it was just weird so I, so when i said no help or assistance i mean it literally mm -hmm. yeah. i mean there wasn't anything and then uh, i was gonna go to college at arkansas tech which um i don't know what state it's in now but the art department then sucked and <laughs> but that's what i could afford and i was working 40 50 hours a week paying all my own bills and it just didn't last i did it about a year dropped out uh my mom had taken off when we first moved out here so we were estranged so i went out to california um i was really young and naive so i think i had a lot of magical thinking like i just thought things would work out hmm. like i think i just thought i'd be in a comic book store one day and some guy'd be like young man do you draw right <laughs> would, yeah would you would you like to learn how to be an artist mm -hmm. you know i think yeah. you know you're a kid so you think something's gonna happen and i went out there with no money my dad kept my car that i've been paying on for two or three years yeah kept making the payments but it was like in hindsight if my kid had been in that position i might have said well take your car a couple of months and i'll help you with the payments or something right anyway my dad did the best he could but i was i'm just painting a picture it was like there was no game plan right because i think sometimes people see your career and they think there was well he did this thing and that happened and they don't realize how just weird and difficult it is so they just see like where you're at now and they don't understand that most of it's just you staring at the wall trying not to like smash your face into it yeah so yeah it was a lot of that it was just so that year and a half in california ended up being me smoking weed and playing uh role-playing games with my friends all the time yeah yeah and then coming back home and then my dad uh is a loving person he let me stay at home but eventually he just said listen you got to do something you're just sitting around drawing and you're driving me crazy mm -hmm. so i found a job at a screen printing company it was an awful little hole in the wall run by an angry redneck that called people dummies all the time. Excellent. Um, it was great. A lot of character building. Yeah. Um, it was, it was good for me though. Like I do appreciate him hiring me. I don't think he's a nice person, 
but he got me, a, I got started in it. Yeah. And I found a lot of commonality in screen printing with comics. They're both sort of gutter industries where designers aren't and artists aren't respected, but you actually have to be better than a lot of other fields. Mm -hmm. You know, you can work at a agency or something and you don't have to have all the variety of skills you do. If you're a really good t-shirt artist where you're illustrating, designing, doing multiple styles, you've got to be technically proficient. You've got to be versatile. You've got to be quick. You've got to be, yeah. um, absorb things really quickly. Like it's really challenging and comics are a little like that. Mm -hmm. Um, back then when I got to screen printing, there was almost no digital component. We had one uh, computer, but it was just used for text layout. We'd print out text, cut it out, paste it to something, yeah. go do camera work. So a lot of that was very um, similar to comic books as well. Okay. So that kind of got me into it. Gotcha. Where I was like, oh, this is kind of like doing comic books. Mm -hmm. And I can do a cartoony thing or I can draw the superhero. And and then I was uh, like, again, no Google. So I was always, I always loved halftones mm -hmm. and those process dots, but I didn't know what they were. So I asked uh, my friend Jeff, who was training me at this company, I said, what are those dots they use in printing? Like, I don't understand what that is. Do you know what that is? And he goes, you mean half tones? And he just grabbed this giant book of them because that's what you used to use. You cut out half tones and put on your film. And he just dropped it down, and it was like the books of, you know, Moses, yeah. the books of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. it like, oh! And it was really exciting. It was like, oh, I'm getting to learn how this stuff works. So mm -hmm. um, I fell into graphic design. I think I was actually training myself to be a graphic designer my whole life by the way I analyzed comic books and looked at design and mm -hmm. typography and all that. Yeah. But uh, a lot of happenstance, really, yeah. and a lot of just being determined to figure something out. Right. But anyway, moving up here was a chance to go, oh, I finally have a peer group and a community. Mm -hmm. And so as Big Bot evolved, and you're scared, you know, people don't realize that either. They think you're just rolling along and everything's fine. Well, you're actually terrified. And then the four-legged bird opened up and they asked me to uh, contribute things for it. Well, then that was well-received and people were nice about it. Then it gave me some confidence, like, oh, maybe I'm not dumb. Mm -hmm. And then you do more things. And then, I don't know, it just really changed my life a lot. It's really been mm -hmm. great. And that all led to the Caddy Wampus Co-op, which I started as an outlet for uh, myself and Jason Jones, who's a local muralist and a mm -hmm. great guy, uh, just to do some pop-ups. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe some other friends will come along. We'll do little pop-ups. And it was no no real agenda outside of just having some fun. And I like mythology, so I made up the whole motif with the cattywampus yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. And then a friend of mine, Olivia Trimble, who's a sign painter, um, a local craft show, decided to take a break or shut down, we thought. And there was just a void there to do more things. And a lot of the local creative community that I've come to love was sort of in a panic. Like, what do we do? Christmas is coming. This is a big part of our income. So we just decided, like, well, let's just see if we can pull off a show and help people sell some stuff. Right. And our goal wasn't to make any money or do anything, really, just try and facilitate something. Mm -hmm. And we hoped to get a couple of thousand people, and we had more like 4,500 people. Yeah. So the community really came out. The vendors all said they had one of their best shows ever. Everyone was very happy. It mm -hmm. was very um, supportive and positive and different. Like, we brought our own unique energy to it and uh so it didn't feel like uh just another craft show it felt a little different yeah and i yeah. think people came out to it that normally don't go to those things mm -hmm. and the response was so positive that um we had six or seven opportunities to do big shows this year and we started to do them all because you when you go like most of your adult life without getting that itch scratched when you get a chance you start going nuts like yeah. i have to say yes to everything yeah but you just can't and so we had to 
get realistic and you say, well, we're mm-hmm. going to do a spring show and then we're going to do an expanded Christmas show. So the spring show we're doing um, is going to be in uh, conjunction with the Brewgrass Festival, mm-hmm. May uh, 6th at the Washington County Fairgrounds. And they're going to have side shows, burlesque shows, uh, midway rides and local brewers and bluegrass bands. It's going to be a whole big thing. And then we'll be a component of it. Big so carnival. Gonna, yeah, big carnival. <laughs> so the Caddy Carnival is what it's called. And we're going to have a mid-size craft show. Cool. It'll be a lot of fun. Very good. I don't remember what you asked me, but that was that's great. That's my answer. Introducing yourself. Oh, okay, that's, yeah. that's me. <laughs> uh, my social security number. Is... <laughs> anyway, okay. well, circling back around, what about comic books was so exciting to you early on? For some reason, I had a, um, I was obsessed with them. I can't remember not being obsessed with them. So there's some innate, deep-rooted psychological. Uh, response to the mythology that okay. I don't know. Hmm. I really hmm. don't know. Um, there's a lot of things the older I get that I'm unpacking about my family and my childhood. I'm sure that has something to do with it. Right. Because I was a little kid surrounded by a lot of dysfunction. So who knows? Maybe I was seeing some sort of uh, order or sensibility there that mm-hmm. made sense. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I wasn't like most kids that just sort of consume things. I was really into them. Right. Like, I mean, I was, I would argue with my friends about movies and tell them why their taste in movies were bad. <laughs> like I was very opinionated. Like yeah. they, we would go see, uh, was it Moonraker? One of those awful early, like 1980s, uh, James Bond movies and, mm-hmm. and it sucked. Right. That's the one where Jaws has got the big metal teeth and you're up on the moon. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's stupid. And a friend of mine saw it, told me it was good and I'd seen it and I was like, it sucks, man. And he's like, why? And I was explaining the problems with the plot, how implausible it was. <laughs> I was like eight. You know, I was like really opinionated. <laughs> so uh, I don't know why. I was just very obsessed with things. Like I, I would recognize who uh, sung theme songs, like mm-hmm. weird trivia. Hmm. So anything like with comics or pop culture or ephemera or just anything, I was hyper vigilant about it. So... I would go see Raiders of the Lost Ark and then get all the, how did they, those magazines they would put out, like how did they make the movie? Oh, yeah. So they'd show you how you storyboard movies, how you do stunt work. Well, I would think, well, maybe I'll be a storyboard artist. You'll go be a stunt man. Yeah. Well, I never thought, <laughs> I knew I couldn't do that because I wasn't athletic. I was too, I was too <laughs> awkward. Um, we did have a Super 8 movie and we did make our own Indiana Jones movie. Oh, yeah? And my friend Brian Antler, who I've, have lost track with over the years kept all the movies because he was older mm-hmm. and i paid for the film but we'd get it processed and he would keep it and my dad would go why are you letting him keep it you paid for it yeah yeah <laughs> and i just he was older so i was like i don't know he said he needs to keep it but he was indian and i was all the other roles and my backyard was kind of like a weird jungle my dad had all these little my dad's a very interesting person and he built me a life-size western town in my backyard i had a two-story Whoa tree house with a, a swing we had this giant tree that you it was like 50 feet tall you could see from the freeway there was it was like a movie back lot because he had a lot of compulsions my dad had to keep busy so he was always making ponds or something huh so i so as a kid it was very exciting and wonderful but i'm sure as an adult i'd have a panic attack if i walked in that weird yard because <laughs> like, this is just pure chaos things are everywhere yeah what i remember <laughs> as a as a child as an adult i'm like oh yeah i remember that i remember watching television one day seeing an ad for model trains and going, oh, we have a train set. Because my dad is a compulsive guy. Right. So he'd go, hey, let's do a train set. So we'd take our old ping pong table, cover it plywood. We're making an elaborate city. I mean, we're doing like 
chicken wire, paper mache, painting a whole. He, my dad was a painter, painted this whole land backdrop of a sky with the city. I mean, mm. really cool. Right. We get about two thirds of the way through with it. He loses interest, and it's like it's over. And that's kind of how he was. It was like when he was done with something, it's that's it. Right. And he's the most stubborn person that's ever existed. So you can't go, hey, dad, what about the train? It's like. The train is dead. The train, yeah, the train left the train town. Is. The train's dead. <laughs> so he was really compulsive about things, and he would find a store closing down. It was getting rid of boxes of mannequins, and he'd go, "Oh, these would come in handy for art projects. I can uh-huh. make a nativity scene, or I can make a <laughs> make a nativity yeah, scene out of mannequins." <laughs> what he did, what he did one time, he did do that. Uh-huh. And in once Halloween, we made a Halloween scene with witches out of them, and he had dry ice and a big cauldron. He had he had a uh, fan. It was. A rotary fan it was turning to move their arms and the whole wow. bit. wow that's so smart yeah he was very creative yeah very i mean a lot of things i like about myself i got from him hmm. but uh but in hindsight kind of troubled because mm. you know all of a sudden you go in the back porch one day and that train set's covered in mannequins and i'm like hey i just saw this ad for trains i was gonna play at the train and mm-hmm. he's like i need the space for my mannequins like mm. don't don't touch, don't, don't mess with my mannequins. Right. Right. So, so I think when you talk about liking comic books and the inner world, mm-hmm. I think I was, I love my parents. I, I remember, remember my childhood being very happy. Like I felt very happy, but I think there was a lot going on that I probably couldn't process. So I was a very introverted kid. I would go in my room for hours and play. He built me this incredible, there's gotta be pictures of this somewhere. I can't find them, but he made me a bed that the top of it was like a u-shape and there was a giant three-story space fortress he made out of just spare things and it looked awesome yeah and so the Millennium falcon could land on the top because i had all the toys they really spoiled me with toys like okay. my mom was bonkers with that stuff and i really liked it she made christmas really awesome but uh, there was a working elevator he made out of a out of a uh, dixie cup container and you could take an egg beater and it was really neat. Yeah. My yeah. friends would come over and go, my dad doesn't even talk to me. Like, <laughs> what is this stuff? So so I'm not, my dad's a wonderful guy. I'm yeah. not saying he's a bad person. He just had problems with a lot of us. So I'm saying that a lot of these things with my parents, I probably had an innate need to go escape mm-hmm. and play pretend. And also I was the quote unquote good kid. So I very, very early on learned to kind of go play and don't bother anybody. Right. So comic books lent to that. You know, it was like something I could own. Like, yeah. you don't have to get anyone's permission. You don't have to borrow the television. You, you know, and plus too, I, I, you know, I probably was just innately like a little art kid. Mm-hmm. So it was cool drawings, you know, fun stuff. But I do, I did have an unusual obsession with them. Like yeah. I had friends that would read comic books, but they would just go like, oh, whatever. Like they, they, you know, I would say, well, come on, man. Why aren't we? I got, that's all I wanted to talk about. Right. Yeah. And right. They would just think like, let's go ride bikes. Like what's your problem like i was very obsessive about these things mm-hmm. i mean I'd, I'd watched every episode of star trek five six seven times right. i mean i could tell you i could just look at a few seconds of the beginning and i knew everything about it um so i don't know what makes someone like mm-hmm. that i think it's just part of your personality yeah. well it sounds like whether it was you retreating into your own inner world with comic books or whether it was like even interacting with your father like he was creating worlds yes for you to play in that's right he was or you were even escaping into other worlds so it was always a fiction you're making a fiction yeah. for yourself and for your buddies doing super eight films I think that's a good observation because because i was uh, in hindsight dictating a lot of that mm-hmm. like i go let's play superheroes and they're like all right and i'm like i just read a, i was obsessed with wolverine it's still weird to me that wolverine's a mainstream 
mm. character because no one knew who Wolverine was when I was a kid. <laughs> and I found these bamboo sticks in my backyard and I tape, use tape and I make claws. Mm. And my friends would go like, well, I'm the Hulk and I hit you. And I'd go like, well, I have adamantium bones and you can't hurt me yeah and i'm gonna gut use my claws and like, what are you talking about i'm the hot i'm like i know it's their adamantium claws i can slash like you they clearly out. don't understand the universe right of the comics like oh and uh, i have a healing factor so yeah good luck but anyway it was just like a real ocd like you know i, I was a i think i was a good kid and a pretty sweet kid but i, I could be bossy or my friends mm-hmm. it's like no we got to go do this mm-hmm. like come on yeah yeah so i probably attracted um you know, when I look back on it, most of the, the best friendships I had were with kids who were a little more comfortable being a beta. Mm. Like, mm. I wasn't an alpha male, like a macho jock. Right. But it, when it came to like, no, we're playing Conan tonight. Let's go to my backyard. You're going to spend the night. I'm Conan. You can go be whatever. <laughs> oh, you're Conan every time. I know. I'm Conan. You know? Of course I am. This is how it works. <laughs> my dad made me all these cool battle axes and toys. So mm. we'd stay up all night in my backyard pretending we were murdering each other <laughs> be fun. what a night what a friday yeah. do, do you see some of that stuff coming through like the elaborate worlds that you're creating with your friends or like even with your dad coming through in the your own fiction and well, your you own know, characters I, that you're creating I now uh, i think you very astutely i hadn't really put it like that before thought of it that my dad was building worlds all the time mm-hmm. so that's probably what happened is i was probably seeing that because i am kind of obsessed with that like when I make up anything, there's a story behind it. Right. And I hate, man, you hear graphic designers constantly go, hey, man, I'm really just a storyteller. Like It's like, shut up. Like That's so obnoxious. <laughs> but in my case, it tends to be true mm-hmm. that my own personal things, I'm not making things that are, they may seem random, but in my head, there, there's like a narrative. Mm. And I think a lot of it's just a, being a frustrated wannabe cartoonist. Right. So in my head, I have all these story ideas for Frankenot stuff. So Frankenot is like, I made up these little art prints or mashups of horror and science fiction archetypes. Mm-hmm. And I love Frankenstein, the classic universal monsters and all that stuff. So it was just for a series of prints. Um, one, of, one of the first things, it was just a promotion for a show at the Four-Legged Bird. And I thought, well, I'm just going to do what if Frankenstein had lived another three or 400 years and become sort of like a retro... 50s astronaut he fights monsters and uh he's kind of a my my vision of the character is like he's seen everything Mm. like he just doesn't care like he's not really impressed by anything he's like i've lived 400 years these people are annoying they'll let me kind of hang out with them if i go kill monsters i have a cool house on the moon they leave me alone Mm -hmm. like he's just sort of a misanthrope Mm. and uh and i had ideas like this with bigfoot i wanted to do these funny kind of old school Harvey Kurtzman style comics with Bigfoot. And it was the same thing. Like he was just sort of a misanthrope, like a sweet guy out in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. God, leave me alone. You guys are so annoying. Like (laughs) I want to be a nice guy and you won't let me. Mm -hmm. So I'm drawn to characters like that. I probably identify with that. Like people being intimidated or scared Mm -hmm. of me because I'm a big guy. And deep down you're like, I'm a nice guy. Why can't you just let me be a nice guy? I can't help <laughs> I'm big. So I, I looked at Bigfoot that way. Like, okay, I'm big and I stink, but I'm a nice guy. Come on. Yeah. But anyway, I have these, once I started doing those promotional posters with Frank and on, I really liked drawing them. And then pretty soon I started doing more prints. I've got 10 or 12 prints that all are sort of part of a narrative and I barely have any done. I'm way behind on it. And then, uh, he has a love hate relationship with the bride of Mars. So she's going to be sort of like a archetype of the bride of Frankenstein. Okay. Hmm. So there's just stuff like that. And then, um, I have an idea for an anthology comic I want to do. 
with some little short stories and the whole work that world mm-hmm. and then i'll probably never do anything else with it right because you get these little ideas and you want to do it and you're kind of exhausted but i'm yeah. hoping in a couple of years to do that i'd like to make a little comic and have all the prints done and say okay it's that's done. I did that. Are you Maybe thinking, make some art toys. Are you thinking like a full 36 page? Yeah. Gotcha. Not little zines or anything like that. Well, or? I do want to make zines too, but uh-huh. um, I wish I could just work on this stuff all the time because mm-hmm. I have so many things are already backlogged. I'll probably never get them all done. But um, no, I wanted to do one with some friends of mine. There's a lot of really talented comic book artists up here that no one knows about. Really? Like my friend Sean Fitzgibbon, he's got a... Uh, painted comic it's done with all these washes and things it's coming out uh hopefully this year it's really incredible eldon calger another good friend of mine is incredibly talented and he's got a uh, science fiction fantasy comic he's getting started again Mm -hmm. so uh, in a perfect world i would like to make a little anthology thing and all this sort of like the old marvel bullpen like Mm -hmm. i'm in the mood to ink why don't you let me ink this and you do that you know it'd be fun yeah yeah, but uh, it's just hard to do with everyone's schedules. But that was the idea to maybe once a year put out some comic, and then I could do a Frankenot story in each one, hmm. then eventually collect them in a big little anthology and say, "Okay, I'm done with it." Yeah. You know? <laughs> so there's a lot of things like that I want to work on at some point, but I need money. Do you have any money? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're asking let, for money. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, um, where you find it. Hey, if you're out there and you have money and you want to waste it on things that will make no <laughs> profits. But call Chad Moppin at improve the community though. Right. Hey, yeah, <laughs> it's let's, a, that's the spin. That's it's a really social, good at up cultural things, good. So fine, right. but don't make any, don't make much money at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I need to win the lottery. I need to blow it on a lot of dumb comics. <laughs> so books. you have just the capacity and the uh, capital to do whatever you want to do. Man, I, I wouldn't like go goof off. I would just buy a cool building downtown and put a studio in it yeah. and get a bunch of cool people in there and so let's just make stuff. Yeah. I'd be really awesome. Well, so that's what really fascinated the first time we had a conversation when you were kind of thinking about Caddy Wampus last summer yeah. was you are someone who wants to collect people together, like gather people together. Yeah. That was a Um, lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I I like being part of a community mm -hmm. and I like being a facilitator and I think I'm pretty good at being objective, like being able to step back and see how those things fit together and also be pragmatic. Like, well, no, we can't listen. That's a good idea, but we can't do that because you know, that's not going to work for a general audience. Like not Mm -hmm. compromise where you're not doing anything interesting, but also not, you know, it's difficult sometimes for artists to be able to step back and look at their work and see how to apply yeah. it correctly. Right. Especially as a group. So I think I'm not with all humility. I think I'm good at that. I think I can step back and do that well. Right. And so I think that makes me, um, qual- you know, uniquely positioned to maybe facilitate things for people right. or try to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't have a big ego where I feel like I have to do it all or get the credit. So mm-hmm. I wonder if like, the biggest sign that someone has a big ego is if they proclaim they don't have a big ego. Yeah, that's probably, mm. uh, no, I, I have an ego, but I don't have, um, I enjoy other people's successes. Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't make me feel Threatened. someone else's success is yeah. my failure. I don't, I don't, I think it's because I had no success in that arena for so long that any I have now just feels like, Oh, this is great. Like, I don't feel like, well, why don't I have everything? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's yeah. over. Like I'm old enough. I mean, I'm middle aged. I'm not, going to take over the world yeah like, that's not why <laughs> yeah i think that kind of ego is what you have when you're really young and you think like oh i could just do anything you don't realize how hard it is to do just anything at all mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. less everything so i think i'm just at a different point 
so I'm able to go, oh, that's awesome. This is like the Cattywampus show. There were a lot of artists there that we just comped their booth because we weren't trying to make money. We really? just said, well, I want you there. You're cool. Yeah. Have, have a booth. Yeah. Cool. And I got to see people like that, some of whom were my good friends who don't really do those things a lot. Mm-hmm. And I got to see them have smiling, having a good time, getting a lot of love, selling stuff. And that made me really happy. Mm-hmm. So at the end of it, it was one of the happiest nights of my life because we just all, it was so tiring and exhausting. And there was so much just nonsense going on that could have ruined it. And the community came together and nothing ruined it. It was great. Yeah. yeah. So it was very um, happy and proud. And it was just like all these people got to do this and have a good time. And friends of mine that wouldn't have done this got to do it. And so it just felt mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah. Like that fed my ego. Right. That's how awesome I am that my ego is even, <laughs> it's like a real humble brag. It like, was a collaborative <laughs> win for everybody. It, right? I yeah. think it was. Yeah. I think it was. And, uh, this whole community, I'm, I haven't lived here my whole life, so I don't understand the rivalry between each community. I look at it as just one big community. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, honest, honestly, I mean this, this community is going to grow a lot in the next 10 to 20 years. And the arts and the creative community are going to play a big part of that. Yeah. So um, people have got to quit being petty and thinking that way. Yeah. It needs to be like a collective effort because that's going to help everybody. Yeah. So there's room up here to have more than one show. I'm not trying to be the only mm-hmm. show in town. I could care less. And my attitude's like if we have a good show and we had fun, it was awesome. What other people do, that's great too. And right. And well, and you acknowledged earlier that you have limits. Like you, yeah, you, you want to jump on definitely. everything, but you have limits. Like it's and, there, and there's to things do we're gonna do. Like our winter show, we're gonna have unique aspects of that show that only I would do because of my specific things I'm into. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm focused on this show. So I'm not gonna get off on that. We can talk about that maybe next time before that show. But there, that show is gonna be an indie craft show that's gonna have unique things that no indie craft shows ever had. Hmm. And it's gonna be really fun stuff that probably won't make me more money, but it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it'll bring people out to these shows that would never come. Right. So um and it's also a way for people that never get attention and a spotlight to get one. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to me. Like yeah. I want to be able to have see like those people I mentioned making those books have outlets for them for people to go, Oh my god, this is cool. You're from here? You know, because that's that exists here. There are people here that are doing incredible things and really no one knows about it. Yes. And um, we've got to do a better job of problem solving. You know, how do we get this niche marketing and media focused and collaborative instead of everyone off on their own with tiny little swords poking at it? We've got to all become yeah. an army mm-hmm. and get together. I really think even with the uh, the retail side, you know, if you, it's someone says, well, go make an Etsy shop. There are a million people on Etsy making crap. Like it's <laughs> like you're going to get yeah. lost in such a crowd. So I think the next step is for all these makers and everyone to have focused regional versions of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and these shows and the local community coordinating and collaborating more effectively on all this stuff. What I find so much and even like developing this show is there are it just takes a willingness to go do the thing right. that you see needs to be done. So for for me showing up here saying there's nothing there's not a way to tell stories in a format that is long form and gives people the opportunity to know what's going on in their area. Right. I mean you have KUAF which is great but it's a news outlet like um you know it's not 
hey, he here are the people who are doing good work in your area. Uh, you know? It's no hey, hey, NWA. <laughs> Thank Let's you. put it that way. Thank you. Well, um, <laughs> but what I found, I mean, it's just like there, I find more and more as I experience the world, people aren't willing to do so much the, a thing. They expect someone else to go create the thing that they they see a problem and it's like oh someone will attend to that. I think you're just seeing human nature. You think that's what? Well, and I think when you're a kid, you think the human world makes sense. The adults are sort of like running it in their systems, mm-hmm. and the older you get, you realize no one knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> and I think the last years illustrated that pretty clearly. Mm. Uh, not to get off topic, but I think uh, <laughs> no one knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. So human beings are not bad. Human beings are, for the most part, good. Systems can become bad. Uh, they can be misused, you know, but, and so people get discouraged. Right. But on a local level, I don't meet many people in my life that don't want the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they want their meemaw and their papa to have social security so they're not eating dog food. They want their kids to go to a good school. They want to be able to go to the doctor or not work their ass off their whole life and be scared I might get butt cancer and lose everything. You know, it's just right. common sense stuff. It's not political. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. anyone, whatever their stripe, who doesn't say, yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you we know care. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's the same thing with all this stuff. And we all get discouraged. And there's also an element that you're experiencing, I think, that's just any group or organization, it seems like 10% of the people do 90% of the work. It doesn't matter if you're talking about mm-hmm. a church group, a business, the Boy Scouts. I don't care what it is. 10% of the people are for lack of a better word, leaders and say, forget it. I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sometimes out of just that, like, Oh, I just get frustrated. Um, and then they either coerce, nag, entice people to do Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And, uh, I, and it's, I don't know. It's weird, man. Cause even with like jobs or things with money or things where people should be motivated, it's just hard. Mm. So I think, um, you guys are doing the right thing. You're taking the initiative and saying, well, why don't we do it? And then that will attract other people who are interested in it. Mm-hmm. And plus, once you start blazing a trail, it's easier for people to go, okay, I'm not so scared. I, I kind of see a direction they're going in, and it makes it a little easier. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, someone's got to take that hit. Someone's got to be willing to go, like, man, this is going to suck, and just get up and do it. Right, whether that's comic books Anything. or craft community or podcast or gluten-free bakeries. That's you right. You know, like... Well, that's all it is. It's just someone saying, why doesn't this exist? I'm tired of waiting for someone to do it. And then you just do it. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's interesting how you've, you found yourself out on both like sides of the coin. You know, you, you try to go to California and kind of go make it happen somewhere else and somewhere mm-hmm. that was more just somewhere else instead of like coming back and just making the community here, wherever you are. Well, yeah. And you know, and there's a limit too. like, I think I could have sat in uh the town i lived in forever and tried to do it and it just wouldn't have happened because yeah, you're right. fighting such a right momentum yes but you don't have that problem here you know this isn't a hard sell to this community so people just have to you know stay encouraged work together form you know little teams figure things out and not get distracted with petty stuff yeah mm-hmm. so when i say form teams i don't mean we're going to destroy those guys in Bentonville. <laughs> that doesn't do anyone any good. Right. Yeah. Um, you can use those things as motivation for the times you're tired or something and say, well, if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. And I'm mm-hmm. going to, but you guys stay on point, 
you know, you've got to stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish, the, const- the constructive part. You know, that's all negative stuff, like ego, dumb crap. It's like the dark side, man. Don't yeah. go be a Sith Lord. You've got to be like a <laughs> Jedi and, like, uh, you know, look for the, the light in it uh-huh. and try and, you know, you have to present an open hand, not a closed fist. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, I do. I uh, side. I brought up Star Wars, so I have to talk about Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars came out when I was five. That's the first movie I remember demanding I go see. Like when you're a real mm-hmm. little kid, you go to movies passively. Your parents go, "Come on, we'll go to Dumbo." Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I remember seeing that commercial and just telling my parents, "I have to see that." Like I must go see that, and like bossy, like no, like I was a good kid. I didn't get in trouble, but I mean. I could get focused on something and throw a little fit. And mm-hmm. I mean, I remember just being like, no, I have to go see it. And I remember my dad taking me to see it in Roseville. They had this historic kind of art deco style theater that, uh, I actually rode bikes when I was 12 with my buddy and we went so romancing the stone there, but it was a beautiful mo- movie theater. They tore down to put up a multiplex of course, piece of garbage. Yeah. Um, heartbreaking. Um, but he took me to see star Wars. I remember walking in the lobby, the way the light came in the windows. I kind of have like the childlike memories of that. Well, there was no home video then. So the movie was out. It was so popular. It was out in the movie theaters for a couple of years. You could find someone showing Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So every time I turned around, my sister would take me. My cousin Terry would come up to visit. She'd say, hey, you want to go get pizza? And I go, yeah, let's go see Star Wars. You know, I just see it <laughs> all the time. And uh, it's really wild how... Um, something like that can be such a pervasive part of like your life or your personality. It's really weird because mm. it's been around forever. I can't yeah. imagine star Wars not existing. Mm. And now like the new movies come out and I went on opening night, uh, for the force awakens, which wasn't that great. Yeah. I was going to say, um, <laughs> anyway, I'm glad star Wars is back, but whatever. <laughs> but anyway, the opening night was awesome and I got tickets for two back to back shows. So I went and saw it once and I came out and stood in line and it was snowing and there were like a thousand people outside that were into Star Wars and it was really awesome. Mm. Like I'm not a religious person, but it felt kind of religious. Like, <laughs> oh, we're all here for Star Wars? Like, <laughs> like everybody was so happy. Yeah. And um, I didn't watch that movie again, which tells you something because I thought I was going to watch it 10 times. Mm. Um, anyway, I think the newer ones will be better. But anyway, it's uh, it's neat. And those things are, I don't, I don't know why, but man, they are like Star Trek. I think Star Trek did more to make me a, a better person than my mom dragging me to Sunday school all mm. those times. Cause it was humanistic, you know, friends, loyalty, you know, don't give up, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I don't know. I remember being a, a little kid and just being like, I like this. This is my thing. Like yeah. just obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And then when I was an adult, you know, you're just busy trying to make a living and support a family. Right. So you're trying to get a career going. You're trying to move up. You're taking jobs because you meet a guy and you go, this guy seems smart. Maybe I can learn from him. Because you don't know what you're doing. And that's the funny thing. I'll meet someone who's young. Like That's how you and I met. You came mm-hmm. up here looking for a job. And yeah. You're kind of t- talking to me. People think you have a plan. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm literally just like, well, I took this job because Scott seems really smart. And I'm going to learn from him. And and I did. And then you get to a point where you think you're not learning anything anymore. You go, I don't know what to do. or and it was really important to me to be an illustrator. So I would sit down to draw and realize my drawing skills were terrible because that job didn't require drawing. Mm. And you'd feel panicked, like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, like really, I can't, I can't explain it to somebody. It's like, it's so important to you. And now you're not any good at it. 
And like if uh, just it's awful. Like it's really stupid because it's not important in the big scheme of things. Your child getting sick or something that's important. Yeah. But it's yeah. like oh my god I can't draw. So then you have like this panic and you just fall. You're just trying anything you can to like develop yourself. And when I went through that period, the thing that got me back was just trying to get, just trying to be simple about it. Don't overthink it. Say, what if you were ten years old, looking at your life now? What would you say to do? Because I've always known what I liked, but then you forget because you become an adult. And I go, oh, okay. And it becomes real easy because mm-hmm. you're just not listening to like in my case, I need to listen to my inner ten year old, I guess. And then I just started getting out a sketchbook and just saying, I'm going to draw a lot. And get better and just do a lot of push-ups i call it so you're just doing a lot of push-ups mm-hmm. and you might do really ugly push-ups because you're out of shape but it's in a sketchbook and no one's going to see it so it's mm-hmm. none of their business um but i think that's true of anything i'm sure you guys figuring this out are going to do you know they say every artist has like a thousand bad drawings in them oh, absolutely. oh yeah hopefully there's not a thousand bad podcasts every podcast because <laughs> that would take a while Ugh. hopefully it's more like 10 yeah. or something yeah. also producing I mean, a thousand 10, so yeah our last bad one. Oh man <laughs> oh no <laughs> yep damn it yeah sorry sorry dude <laughs> hate to break it to you yeah the very next one you guys were like Hey, these microphones should be on. <laughs> that would be we've we've learned a couple things along the way. I bet. So. But that's just what it is. It's like if you're not willing to get out of your comfort zone that's and right. try something new, like you're never gonna learn how to put down ink. Like you're I think never that's great. Learn that you said how that. to do typography. You're never gonna learn how to do anything. Like Hey Zach. Hey. That's good. I like that. Well, thanks. well and also getting rid of the idea of you know if this is what i'm supposed to do then i should be perfect at it from the get go Mm -hmm. that boy that's hard that's that's really something i struggle with a ton um i very often will draw things and go this is terrible i'm terrible i'm stupid why do i do this why am i bothering i'm dumb Mm -hmm. like if you told me when i got into this i'd be in my 40s and still feel that way i might not have done it Hmm. because i think in my head i thought oh i'll just cruise along at some point it gets worse because you're upping the ante. You get better, so you know you're capable of doing better. And then, I mean, it, it does yeah. not get easier. It gets harder. The only reason I know that I got better at anything was because I had no options. I had such a humble background. I was looking at being having a chicken house out of my dad's property. Wow. Or working at Walmart. I mean, really, mm-hmm. I mean, that was about it. Or joining the service or something, which all those things are perfectly fine things to do, but they wouldn't have made me happy. Yeah, yeah. And the only reason I got into art and was able to stick with it was I literally just felt like, well, it's this or nothing. Like, I don't know. Mm. And just working at it all the time mm-hmm. and just being doggedly like, what am I going to do if I don't? I mean, so that's part of what creates that narcissism. is like, the, or the narcissism, also extreme self-criticism you know, kind of go hand in hand Mm -hmm. because it's like a heightened sense of self-importance. Well, what's the world going to do if I don't get better at drawing anatomy? Yeah. It's not going to care, but to you, it's super important. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that's the thing I'm working on now is that I've been doing this long enough that, you know, I'm pretty good at it, I think. And, you know, I have to learn to accept what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and not flip out because I'm not, Wally Wood. I had a drawing. I had a project for someone. It was a Wally Wood type thing. 
and I got it in my head, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do like a Wally Wood thing on this. I'm going to make it like Wally Wood. Mm-hmm. And it ruined like a week of my life where I was having panic attacks and freaking out because I was like, this is like crap. This is not Wally Wood. I had all this reference book. Wally Wood, if you don't know who he is, he's one of the greatest cartoonists ever, one of the most skilled draftsmen, inkers, brilliant guy. Mm-hmm. And so driven and such a hard worker and so brilliant that he ultimately killed himself, not to be a downer. Right. But, uh, you know, he, he was in a world and industry that actually didn't really appropriately appreciate how brilliant he was. And it kind of did him in. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I am just thinking out of the blue, like, well, I'll just be Wally Wood today. <laughs> well, it's stupid. Like that's, and so I did this project for the client. I got to a point where, where I went, it's acceptable. I've got to stop freaking out about this. I handed it off, right? And the client wanted the original drawing. They really liked it. Everyone in my life, including my my wife who deals with me at my neurotic butt all the time, <laughs> probably was like, this is good. What's wrong with you? And all that stuff. Probably a month or two later, I'd forgotten about it. I saw the 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 print I had in the wall, and I went, oh, that looks good. <laughs> yeah. Because, because there's a psychological component that my stink is on it. So when I can look at it and see my stink on it, I'm being extra critical. Mm-hmm. And then if I find a drawing three years later, I might still objectively see things wrong or see, oh, I'm drawing hands better now or something. But I will judge it more if I just saw another person doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's good, or I like this or that. But at the moment, I can't do it. And it's I'm trying to work on that. I yeah. really am. Because your life's so short to waste it, constantly berating yourself. It's just silly. You need to be able to sit down and go, I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. So I'm going to avoid doing those things. I'm going to do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got to just yeah. manage yourself and go, I don't have to be every, good at everything. Come on, grow up. Right. Like, it's just silly. So um, you start off being really self-critical because that's what motivates you, or at least me. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that did it. And I always joke, you know, like a little self-hatred is good for you. But you can have so much of it that you become paralyzed. And you also have to allow yourself at some point to feel proud of things you do. Yeah. Like I always say, I you should look at illustration or graphic design like a craftsman. Like, well, I'm making this table and I have a system. Jack Kirby worked six days a week, 12 hours a day. He created universe. Universes were flying off of his fingers mm-hmm. like crazy. You go back and look at the volume of work he did in two years at D.C. from 1970 to 1972. It's unbelievable. They are still strip mining that crap and their mm-hmm. books and their movies and that guy was just sitting there in california in his basement just Pumping working out, man yeah. like like a craftsman yeah that's interesting to me i don't know whatever but i i, yeah. I like working class like creative people people that work hard they have an eth- work ethic um you've got to push yourself to get better and you've got to have um a little inner critic mm-hmm. yeah but you got to learn how to temper it and you def, but you definitely do need to fly in the face of fear. I think that was smart what you said. Um, I was a very fearful kid. I mean, we were living out in the middle of nowhere. My mom takes off. We're just like it's me and my dad practically all alone. You know, like it. I had to go to a small school where I had these small little environments I could get comfortable. I was a class clown, and so that was my only. You know, you didn't hang out after school. I got on a bus for forty five minutes, went out to my dad's, and was in a house by myself. Like it was really lonely. Mm-hmm. And I would plan bits for class the next day. I'd plan comedy bits. <laughs> yeah. Silly senior class of 90. Right on. Like, I worked hard for that. Um, but, you know, it, it, that, uh, that fear was something I avoided because I was so scared of failure. Yeah. And I was just pe- – people that knew me growing up probably have no idea how terrified 
and how much thought I put into things mm. like a joke I made in class or whatever. I was mm. almost never just relaxed and being myself. There was a thought behind it. Mm. And Calculation. It like, yes. And as I grew up and got married and started becoming an adult, you're a lot of times doing things out of almost a programming. Well, this is how a father behaves. Cause I seen my dad. I think I was a good stepdad, but I think I got a lot better at it when I learned to relax and quit just doing those things, mm -hmm. like being more present. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of your early life, you're doing things out almost programming and you're trying to avoid feeling stupid. <laughs> and then the minute I think I, the minute I quit doing that's when I started actually getting better at things. When you, when you quit being afraid to go, well, what's that mean? What are you talking about? You know, not having a job and being scared, you know, scared to say, well, I don't want to admit, I don't know what they're talking about. Who cares? Just find out. Like, no one's going to care. Like, getting over that was a big thing in my life. Mm -hmm. And then every time, you know, going out on my own was terrifying. I didn't want to go out on my own. I was part of a business. I came up here with the intention of growing that business and being there the rest of my life. It didn't work out. So out of the blue, I have this traumatic breakup, basically, with like a friend and a business associate. My best friend's working there. I don't want to talk to him. I'm like, you still work for that guy? You know, it's just real awful. Like, I'm all by myself and pissed. Scared to death of a mortgage and a family, right? Yeah. So you're just like, I, I don't know. i got to figure this out. Well, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Totally. Mm -hmm. Like, not even close. Like, it forced me to do things I wouldn't have done otherwise. I would have sat there in that business and been content to be defined by that business and defined by what other people expected from me. And by going out on my own, I learned to trust myself a little bit. Go, oh, I can do that, or that worked out, or mm -hmm. I went and met with that person. That I thought that was scary. I did all right. And before long, you're just you're changing. You don't grow without fear and discomfort. You just don't. Yeah, truly. So those things were all good for me. I wouldn't have started making prints and feeling more. Uh, I wouldn't have the creative identity I have now. I wouldn't have had that. Could you? I know this may be a big circle, but is there a reason, Cattywampus? Uh, the tagline is make your mythology. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I love, like I said, Dan Harmon's, I made myself have the dirt with no one's permission. Mm -hmm. And that's what we all do in our lives. We make ourselves whether mm. you know it or not. And even the person that's just following their parents programming and they grew up to, you know, become an alcoholic that puts their cigarettes out in their kid's arm or whatever. They're still making that. Yeah. You know, they made who they are. Mm -hmm. No one's forcing you to do it. And so that kind of stuff really drives, uh, really means a lot to me because I didn't have an, uh, a strong sense of identity. I did, but I didn't really realize it, you know, and part of my um, journey has been just trying to figure out who I am and then realizing, Oh, but this doesn't have to be forced on me. I can do what I want. So I don't have to, uh, keep doing the same thing because of my family dynamics or my mm -hmm. parents' choices or I don't have to do that. I can do anything. Yeah. I can make up who I am. So, uh, it's just very empowering to me. And I think most artists are that way, but I think it's an empowering thing for human beings, just for anybody. Um, you know, I'm an artist and I'm biased towards artists, but, uh, I don't think artists are special. They're still just people. And I don't like, I don't like it when things like, uh, like the Cattywampus co-op, I wouldn't like it if it felt elitist or not accessible. Mm -hmm. I'd like anyone to feel like they can walk in there and go, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's not just for them, they might go, oh, I like this though. This is friendly. This is nice. Mm -hmm. I think art should be like that. And, uh, but make your mythology just that simple. It's like, 
make up who you are. Who do you want to be today? When you go out in the world and someone cuts you off and you're the guy screaming at them and cursing at them, okay, well, you're, that's, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get to make those choices. And I think when I was younger, I didn't realize that enough. I think I was just following things almost instinctively. And the older you get, you realize like, oh, I get to make up who I am. I want to own that more. And the only thing I have is how people will remember me when I'm gone. Well, I don't want them to remember me in some of those ways. But creatively, too, it's real specific to the brand is that we're trying to make outlets and tools for creative people. Mm -hmm. So we want them to be able to make their mythology and present it to other people, you know. And just because it's a myth doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I love that. It's a metaphor. Yeah. But um, so your mythology is your mythology, and that's what makes your art, your podcast, whatever you're doing interesting is because it's yours. No one's got your mythology. Mm. And so the whole idea is to try and empower that and amplify it. And then also I would love it if it was part of create, making a creative community and systems that helped, like I said, amplify that voice, like try and make it something that helped the area grow and the community grow and not just be, well, we had a show and we made a few bucks. Mm. Now we're still trying to figure that out. You know, it's a complicated thing to, to work out while you're doing a job and living a life, but right. I think that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, the, the caddy carnival will be a medium sized show. And, uh, then the winter show, when we get closer, I'd like to come back and talk to you cause we have some really unique, cool things we're going to do for yeah. that, that I'm pretty excited about. I'm but, excited. I'm excited to see what these <laughs> things might be. I'm trying not to be too, there's going to be a party element that I think you okay. would like. Okay. And then there's going to be an element of the show that is very specific to things I like that no one has done in a craft show that I'm aware of. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Noted. I'm expecting it to be great. That show. That's a good idea. That's a, that's the <laughs> right thing to do. So it's just been, well, it's been cool from the very first four people caddy wampus show over at the Fayette chill. Mm-hmm. What's it called? The, the smokehouse, the smokehouse, the Fayette chill smokehouse. And you thanks know. for coming to that, by the way. Oh, it was awesome. It was so cool to see that. That, that was a big, not to cut you off, but I, just real quick, quickly, I want to thank the community again, because everything I've done has been whatever little meager thing I've done has been because of the community saying, that's just cool. We like you. We'll support it. Like, Anytime I get nervous, the community doesn't let me down. So we had the, the, the initial Caddy Wampa show was just four people. It was a casual hang. We had no idea what to expect. We had hundreds of people come out to that on a game day. Yeah. Fighting yeah. traffic. Wow. And we sat there and went, oh, this is cool. People, you know, we have friends. Like, you just felt <laughs> like real, like, oh, like a big hug. Uh-huh. And Frank Sharp, who owns a smokehouse, let us use it. He let us use it for a uh, Caddy Wampus Maker's Dinner. He's a real nice guy and, and real generous with that space. I had an office there for a couple of years. I've, I was sort of a de facto art director for Fayette Chill for seven or eight years. And uh, they're good guys. And uh, so I had it outside of the building. And you showed up and a lot of other people showed up. And then we all sort of looked at each other and went, oh, maybe this is a this cool works. thing to do. But then that being the first show and then turning around for Wampus Wonderland. Yeah. And it was just like a blowout like relative to that first show. Thanks. Both were incredible. But it was like, man, there are, I, I guess, probably 25 times the amount of makers here. Yeah. Um, we had around 110, I think. Okay. Something yeah. like that. And every one of them said, 
either say it was the best show that ever had or one of the best. And then there was food and that's all there, I cared about. and there was photo op stuff going on. But see, all that was, was the community too, right? It was so great. Like, Jason Jones comes in and makes this awesome. That was a cool piece. mural. Yeah, uh, I love Krampus, and like I said, I I wanted it to feel more kitschy and more uh, just accessible, not real fancy. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing wrong with fancier shows, but that's just not my personality. So I wanted a live Krampus. So we had someone kind of being a little goofy Krampus, <laughs> yeah. and I would like to expand yeah. it next year and have a little more involved costume. I don't yeah. want it to be scary, scary, just sort right. of like creepy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I want someone to be able to bring their little kid in and not feel like just goofball Chad's got a <laughs> demonic. Like it's gonna be fun. But uh, next year, I've already, I'm putting you on notice, Clunk, right now on this podcast on Hey Hey NWA. <laughs> I told him I wanted him to be our mascot. Uh-huh. And make promotional videos for the Caddy Carnival. Oh, cool! And I'm hoping for the winter show, we can convince him to be uh, Caddy Claus. Caddy Claus. And I want awesome. him to be there in his version of a Santa Claus okay. suit. And he doesn't have to have people on his lap or anything. Mm-hmm. But I just want to be there making videos, being awesome clunk, and taking pictures and stuff, and just yeah. being like, "Oh yeah, I saw Caddy Claus there at the show." <laughs> like I want to have a sense of humor and a sense of whimsy and be kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. Well, that I like that. That's what gets me excited about Carnival, because um, it's like, man, if there was that much movement between those two shows, and Wampus Wonderland was such such a success, and we're going back to the same location, and there's other people there with other, you know, the Brewgrass people, yeah, that sort of thing, where there's going to be a lot of cross promotion sort of stuff. And the way you talk about the the things that are going to be going on, it sounds like that thing is going to be a blast. I hope so. I, it's a new thing. You know, we haven't. It's uncharted waters. Yeah. And uh, over the last five to ten years, I've tried to to look at uncharted waters as exciting, not terrifying. Mm-hmm. I'm determined this next show. I'm not going to have a booth to run because I want to be able to actually see it. Yeah. I've yeah. seen her running a booth. My wife's working her butt off on another booth. My whole family's working booths, right? Mm-hmm. Where none of us are doing anything fun. Olivia walks up. And she goes. We have people lined up out almost to the road. There's cars full out to the road. And I'm like, what? And she goes, dude, it is packed. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. Okay, great, great. But I mean, I couldn't talk because there's someone going like, I want to buy this, sir. Can I give you money? And I'm like, okay, okay. So we got to a lull and I thought, well, I've got to go look. So I went to the social area and I got in a little corner and I just sat there and took it in like a creep standing in a corner. <laughs> like, yeah, you eat that cinnamon roll. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just sitting there watching people, right? But I'm just like, it worked. We did it. Everyone did it. Like, it was like, when I say my ego, I have an ego. I was proud of that, but it's more like everyone came together and I have friends and we all did this. Like, it, was, mm-hmm. it was really beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that night, uh, we were cleaning up and there were a handful of us sitting there and all the, the booze vendors had left and had given us like extra drinks that were essentially just nothing but alcohol. So I was getting kind of hammered, <laughs> but I was really happy. And then we were cleaning up and Rhonda and I had a truckload full of trash. We took the dumpster and I, and I had on like this wacky Santa hoodie robe I was wearing and I'm throwing trash and yelling and there's gross trash juice flying on me. But I was like really happy. I was like, yeah, woohoo. I was just throwing <laughs> stuff around. And I was very happy about it. I was like, yeah, trash juice, man. This is great. <laughs> But uh, it was like a, a, ver- a very happy trash Santa yeah, with a bag a, of trash yeah, on her shoulder. We went to a Walmart after that to pick something up, and I was walking around drunk with my hoodie on, <laughs> talking to people. And Rhonda was like, I think you're scaring everyone to death. I'm like, hey, I'm friendly, man. That's their problem. It's like, yeah, well, you're like seven feet tall, and you're drunk. <laughs>
but uh, anyway, it was it was an awesome night. But it was awesome because of a community that came together, that came out to see it, that bought things. Like we did it for the vendors. We mm-hmm. we really didn't make any money, right? Um, which is not I'm not bragging. That kind yeah. of is stupid. Yeah. But 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 it was all done in a few months while I was working. 12 plus hours a day at my job and Olivia was working her butt off at her job. Like there was a mm-hmm. lot going on. So, um, you know, but we managed to pull it off cause like my wife worked like crazy for free. All these people came in and worked for free. My wife and I sat there one night for four hours stamping Christmas ornaments and all sorts of crap. Ooh. So it was just nonstop work mm-hmm. really. And then the community came together and supported it and worked too. So that's why I like love Fayetteville. I start to say like, Come on, Fayetteville. You know I love you, baby. <laughs> um, but anyway, the next show will be bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be I, – I really want to say what's going to happen, but I don't want to say. I okay. can't say it's too yeah, soon. Okay. That's all right. Keep your secrets. I got I to gotta, gotta leave a little secret for next time, baby. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, tease them. I got to tease you a little bit, sweetie. <laughs> um, but no, this show will be great. It's just going to be – a new thing, you know, we haven't mm-hmm. sat there with that crowd. So it's a, the Brewgrass show, right? So it's all, you know, there's a million, talk about niche culture, a million indie craft, you know, brew people up here. Yeah. And they're all great. Like, like really, there's so many of them. I'm like, man, that one's awesome. And this one's good. And it's weird to think there's so many. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get to come to the show. And if you love that world, you're going to be in heaven, right? Cause that's going to all be there. They're going to have a burlesque show. They're going to have a sideshow. Um, I think there's a, a famous sideshow guy. I think he's the lizard man or whatever. I think he's going to be there midway rides and the whole bit. Yeah. So then you're going to come for that. That listen, that is well worth your entry fee, but then you also get us. So for no extra money, you get to come in and see all your favorite cool kids. Mm-hmm. That's so right. And yeah. we're going to have, yeah, you, it is right. Yeah, that is right. And is, we're going to have fun games like a cattywampus beanbag toss. Uh-huh. And we're going to have yeah. photo booths where you can stick your head in a strong man or strong woman body. <laughs> and we're going to have uh, cool giveaways and cool vendors and cool food and drink items. And it's going to be a great time. That's yeah. excellent. I'm super I'm excited. Yeah. It's early May, so it won't be real hot. Yeah. You know, the weather will be nice. Hopefully. Arkansas act right. Yeah. Well, (laughs) listen, even if it's hot, we're having the show. Yeah. So we'll just have to get sweaty and drunk together. Yeah. Drink more beer. Yeah. 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 That's good for you when it's hot, right? It is more beer. It is. I think so. Hydrating, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's how hydration works. It's good for you. Um, how can people follow what's going on with like cattywampus and okay. And um, everything it, you do, actually you, you've got a litany of things. I, I would appreciate it if everyone followed me on everything mm. for one thing. That's how I know you love me. <laughs> um, Caddy Wampus is at Caddy Wampus. You spell Caddy Wampus C A T T Y W A M P U S. Just like it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the question of where it was two D's or two T's. So. Two T's. It's yeah. Catty Wampus. Because it's, it's a cat. It's say. actually a very misogynistic mythology behind that. It's, uh, you know, once again, every once in a while, I'll, get, I won't, I'll quit feeling ashamed I'm a white male for a few minutes, and mm-hmm. I'll read something and go, oh, bad move. Still, <laughs> still should be ashamed. <laughs> so apparently the Catty Wampus mythology is based around, it's like this witchy woman that went crazy, and she became a cat. It's basically just like a story about a man like, making fun of a woman going crazy, and she turns into a six-legged cat. I'm like, awesome, man. Excellent. Cool. <laughs> Cool assholes. It's awesome. <laughs> you know them women, they go crazy and they have like six feet full of claws. They cut you right up. Oh my 
Um, okay. But anyway, that's it's. Uh, I just thought it was a cool. I just want to have a cool like snarling, big tongue, goofy thing. It's badass. And too. plus, the name just sounded like a southern nonsense word to me because uh-huh. it is. It's yeah. uh, it just means a skew. Like your your farm's all cattywampus. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, that sounds fun. That's weird. Yeah. And so cattywampus co-op sounded like oh, that sounds like a good name for a bunch of artists getting together and doing some goofy thing. Yeah. Um, and plus, I just like things that lend themselves to visual things. So it's like, oh, I got this cool lightning bolt cat thing I can play off of. And and uh, so anyway, you can look up Cattywampus online. Uh, it's, there's an Instagram. There's a website. The website's Go Cattywampus. Um, we're also on Facebooks and Twitter. And then Big Bot Design, which is essentially just me. Mm-hmm. That's where all you, you see all my personal art and imprints. So that's... Uh, on Instagram, it's just Big Bot Design. B I G B O T D E S I G N. Big you, Bot Design. And you can see all the Frankenot stuff. And yeah, and I post things I'm doing at work and okay. just different things. It's cool. just sort of like my little art blog. And then there's also a Big Bot Design on Twitter and Facebook. But Twitter really is just me reading blogs and trying not to cry about the state of the world. <laughs> it's not really a lot of promotional stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are the two main things. Um, Big Bot is essentially me. Caddy Wampus is essentially me, but it's me with other people doing a show and making stuff. So there, it's more collaborative. Ego. Yeah. 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 <laughs> centers around you. Listen, it's all about me, ultimately. No, it's not. Actually, that's, that is a yeah. good call. It's not. Um, I made it up, but I mean, my wife works her butt off. Uh, Olivia yeah. Trimble, the local sign painter, Sleet City sign painting, very talented person. Um, she's a huge part of it. If she hadn't gotten involved, I would have done pop-ups with it yeah mm-hmm. like i was i wasn't thinking like the scope i was just thinking like, well we'll do a pop-up it'll be fun whatever um because i like getting ideas like we just had a caddy wampus meeting yesterday and olivia and i are both like creative people so we started making up new ideas for things and then olivia we were talking about signage for the caddy carnival mm-hmm. and she goes listen we have tags why are we making up new tags? you know but we get like excited you're making things up yeah so you need to have practical people around to keep you on track so that's my mm-hmm. wife and then amy haw who does sort of coordination behind the scenes. Like right now she's making invoices to our vendors so we can get money. Yeah. But um, in a perfect world, that's all I would do is make up things and there'd be people to sort of clean up the mess. I mean, like a, yeah. like a little typhoon. Yeah. People are like, yeah. okay, we're doing this now. We have to go pay for the thing he just did. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's a lot of fun and we're all, uh, I think, approaching it the right way, trying to serve the community and have a good time and not serve ourselves so much. And how can we support what you're doing? You specifically well, or me, the community? Yeah, the community. Any, yeah. All if, right. Well, how can an individual um, contribute? Yeah. So a big component of our merchandise and our shows this year is charity. So we have a Smokey uh, Fights Fascist tee we just did. It's got $5 per tee that's going towards the uh, Wildlife Firefighters Fund. I keep mangling that. I'm a monster. It's going to volunteer firefighters. Uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not the details guy, mm-hmm. but it's going to a wildlife volunteer firefighter fund. Okay. And, uh, we're going to be sending out a check for that soon. And then all the shows are going to have charitable, you know, components. So like, we're going to do a lot of work for seven Hills this year where we're going to actually give them money from a show where we're going to have a booth at the winter show where people can learn more about seven Hills and all the good work they do. Cause we really do want to be connected to the community. Um, you know, the Brewgrass Festival's got a, you get money off your ticket if you bring a canned good item okay. to get in. You know, we're, so there, there's a big charitable component. Awesome. But if you want to help, here's how you help. Well, part of the way you help is you follow us 
if you're interested, you attend events, you spread the word about events because this is grassroots. We don't have money. Hmm. Um, I really don't have money. Um, so we had this big show, 4,500 people came out. That doesn't mean I have a lot of money. I don't. Mm -hmm. So we have some generous, uh, sponsors already. The mustache has already become a sponsor. Go shop at the mustache. They're good people. Uh, my boss at Houndstooth has told me he's going to be a sponsor. So, uh, the Houndstooth press will most likely be a sponsor of the show. Mm -hmm. So support businesses that support your local creative community, I would say is a good uh, idea. But then also come to the shows with money, support the creators. Mm. Um, people that are being creative for a living usually have no money and little encouragement. They're mm. usually alone in a room banging their head against the wall. And without those things, the world's pretty bland. Yeah. You know, you, that's the seasoning. It's not the most important part. You know, it won't keep you alive, but you don't want to be alive without it. Mm. And it doesn't exist in a vacuum. So, you can't talk about loving the arts if you don't spend money on it flat mm -hmm. out. Now when I say spend money, I don't mean spend a thousand dollars a year. It doesn't take a lot of money to support the arts. You can go buy some print from a cool person. You might see Stacy B there with her print and go, man, these are awesome. Stacy. And you go buy a print, you know, you might tell friends about it. You might help promote the community. Mm -hmm. All that stuff makes a big difference, but we're not going to be able to do this or keep doing it. If the community doesn't support it flat out, because this is a community organization. Mm. So if people don't come and don't spend money, we can't do it because we don't have money. And I can't go spend a lot of money on advertising. Our advertising is this community saying, hey, did you hear about this cool thing? Yeah. You got to go. You got to go. Did you hear about the winter show? You got to go. Hey, they just posted these pictures from the winter show. Look what they're doing. This is awesome. Did you know about this cool thing Olivia did? You need to hear about this. Hey, you know Chad did? We have to be a community and talk about it, support it, and spend money on it, mm -hmm. period. And if we do that stuff, it'll keep going, it'll grow, and we can do more. We, we would like to eventually have grants, have uh, uh, scholarships for young artists, kids like me who didn't have 150 bucks for a mail-order art course. I would right. love to give a kid like that some money. Mm -hmm. um, if we found out someone in our maker community is a leather maker and their uh, leather machine broke i don't people use make leather yeah. stuff their leather <laughs> uh apparatus has broken its leather stippling device we would love to give that person a grant give them a new one hmm. you know like that we would like to get to a point that it's successful enough that it can actually be uh a part of the community supporting things and helping the community advance its voice but also like actual tangible things yeah but for now i'd say come to the shows follow us online be supportive, spread the word, be a little army. You know, we need a little army of uh, cool kids Cat, out there. Caddy Wampus army. Yeah. Well, that's kind of our little taglines. Like, uh, it's not like we really think we're cool. It's because I was a little nerd in school who didn't feel like he was cool. Mm -hmm. So now you're sort of like joking, like, well, we have the cool kids table in the cafeteria. So you're, <laughs> so you're like, so it's not a snotty thing. Well, you can't be one of the cool kids. Guess what? If you come to the show and you spend any money, you're one of the cool kids now. Did it. All right. You did it. <laughs> you Super, can buy your way into Super, being a cool oh, kid. I'm, listen, I am a whore. <laughs> if you give me money, I will like you more. Just kidding. Um, but if you support my things, I'll definitely like you more. Um, you can't buy my friendship, but you can buy my appreciation. But def definitely, definitely with these events, you know, I kind of hate money, but also realize it's also the way we vote. Mm, yeah. So it's easy to say, oh, well, this isn't about the money, man. 
bullshit because guess who's not going to ever do a show again if they have a booth and they made zero dollars on it hmm. that your favorite artist yeah um it is about money because you have to make it and that's the only way we have to it's the only metric we have to define how things are going mm-hmm. it's not the most important one because you know if you're an artist you I'm not saying if you're poor, you're a failure as an artist, but almost all arts, commercial art in some way, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, if you're a fine art painter or something like that, that's different. But in general, these, these things are bleed, you know, changing these, these, uh, boundaries are bleeding together. And with prints and ephemera and a lot of the things I'm into, you're making your comic or whatever. That is how you know how well you're doing. Mm. People voted. Yeah. So all you people have to come out and vote. Yeah. I had a professor that said the most important move you can get someone to make is to reach for their wallet. That's right. And so if that's that's the movement you can get them to make, then. Well, and that's what made me proud because that show was not successful for us financially. I mean, we didn't lose anything. Yeah. But it was successful for the makers. They all said, oh, we did great. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, awesome. Like, that's all we were. My fear was we'd open the doors of that thing and a hundred people show up and we're sitting there with our thumb up our butt. Like what happened? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause we didn't have money. We had an ad on the Fayetteville flyer. They did a great promotional you know, piece on us, an article, which is awesome. Thank you guys. Dustin and Todd are great people. Um, but that was essentially it. Some Facebook ads and mm-hmm. word of mouth. Well, yeah. guess who came through? Everyone told everybody because there was a lot of people yeah you know this isn't this is a passion thing not a money thing now we do need to make money on it so it's more sustainable and so that we can grow it so i can have my day job and sort of like monitor it but let it sort run itself like Mm -hmm. that sort of thing maybe have like i said grants and scholarships but it was very grassroots very done out of just love very much done out of being open to things, being scared, but well, something will work out. <laughs> but the whole thing was just like that. And so then at the culmination of it, you're like, so many things could have gone wrong. Someone tried to make it go wrong, but nothing made it go wrong. It's fine. Everything went great. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm very, I'm very proud of it. It's a really unexpected part of my life that I'm proud of and real protective of now. It's mm-hmm. something that didn't exist a year and a half ago. And now it's really important to me. So, so please come out and love my thing. Is there anything else you want to promote or talk about? That's a very good question. I sh- I wish I had a really funny, uncomfortable answer to throw in there. <laughs> um, but I don't. Uh, I definitely will after this show when we talk about the winter show. Okay. I don't want to distract from this show. People are going to go, <laughs> I'm not even coming to this show. He's He's already talking about the next show. This show is going to suck. No, this show is going to be great. But the next show, the winter show... It's going to be awesome. There's going to be some crazy stuff go down and uh, it'll be memorable. People will talk about it for a long time. Okay. I may be elected mayor. You might be. Oh, so good. You are Olivia one. Well, I don't know Mm. about Olivia. (laughs) We'll see. But I'll I'll find a role for her in my cabinet. Very good. Listen, I'm I'm a huge Mayor Jordan fan. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I want him out. I'm saying this event will be so amazing he may be forced to make me the mayor. I don't know <laughs> because people will love you. Right. I'm not saying that's what I want. <laughs> I don't want it. I like mayor Jordan. He's great, but the, the people can't be denied yeah, um, give them what they want. Democracy. Yeah. I'll at least be proclaimed King caddy or something. King I'll have some official is the thing. king above the mayor. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll okay. be the king of Fayetteville. Okay. 
I don't know. Hmm. Um, you need a I mean, it's a bold statement. I know I'm being bold, but I think this is going to be a pretty cool thing. It's going to happen. Okay. Um, and if we have enough people come out, we might all go streaking down Dixon. Mm. Sure. That's a, that's a promise directly from be, Chad's mouth. Or it can be a reverse threat. If enough people don't come out, I'm going streaking down Dixon. Oh, I think it meant reverse of like everyone will put on lots of clothes, like too many clothes and go <laughs> down Dixon. Like, if you don't all come out, I'm going to expose myself to you and you may not like it. I think um, that's a good that's a good spot to incentive. end. Good <laughs> incentive. No, it's uh I am very excited. I'm excited for the whole year. My only problem is uh trying to manage it. Like that's the tricky mm-hmm. part because I've got, you know, I I have a I think like I said, it's being starved so long that you're like, Ooh, I want to do all this stuff <laughs> and I can kind of run myself in a ditch. You know, I can take up all this stuff and become almost like a workaholic. And then you go, oh, what's going on? What is, what is happening to me? You know, yeah. So I have to manage myself. That's something I'm working on. But and tell myself it doesn't have to all be done in one year. Yeah, yeah. But So true. So true, man. I, you know, I think we've exposed a lot of truth today. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. You want to drop that, that rap now, that spoken word? Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, NWA, <laughs> spoken word. We have a lot of theme songs uh-uh. on here, so this will be. Check one, check one. Check one, check one. You know we checked the mic an hour and a half ago. levels. Should I go full bore rat or do... Do, do you want a hey, beatbox? Just do whatever you yeah, feel. Yeah, give me a beat. How fast do you want it? Let's go slow and mellow. <laughs> hey, hey, NWA. What are you going to say? It's Sunday. Sitting around with my new best friends. Trying to find something else to say. Coming up with raps on the, the dime. Is a little harder than you think when you don't have time. Gonna come up with something that rhymes with... Hey. Like going out my dad's farm and hauling some hay. Glad I don't do that anymore. No way. Cause now I'd rather sit around on a Sunday talking to hey, hey, NWA, hey, hey, NWA, hey, hey, NWA. I think if you had the chance to drop the mic, you yeah. would have done so. Well, listen, I'm not a professional. Uh, You're not? I'm not a rapper. But, <laughs> not a rapper. But, you know, I, I, I want to I make people happy. So yeah. if that'll make someone happy, then it makes me happy. If nothing else, you've made me happy. So, (laughs) mission accomplished. Success. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Zach and and Peyton. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Chad. Yeah, Chad. It's been great. Thank you. And I hope we're new best friends now. We uh, we were at the very beginning. I mean, I wasn't. (laughs) So, this is great for me. So, we're literally standing right here, right after our interview with Chad. We just finished it up. um, And might I say, what a, what hip hop, (laughs) what a hip hop. He might be like a real life artist, but he's actually a hip hop artist. Yeah. I I think that he's been misguided in his career this entire time. Well, you know, I think he's making it work now. He's uh, finding those outlets to really practice his hip hop craft. And where better to start than here? And as we discussed, um, getting over the hump of saying like, hey, if I'm destined to be good at this, then I must be good at this from the get-go. That's that myth. So yeah, uh, covering 
gosh, so much just, and hearing about just his life and how he didn't have the, the outlet and then now seeks to unify artists to give them the outlet. That's so good. So yeah, I, I love, I love that concept of unifying people in their craft. Yeah. And for real, uh, go, I really truly enjoyed both of the cattywampus shows that I went to. They were a ton of fun, so much to see, so much food to eat, so many great humans to talk to show up on May 6th to Caddy Carnival. It will be a blast, I swear. I'm so excited. And so Zach went to that event and I didn't. And so I am I'm just ready for oh, I'm just ready for everything. Oh, it's so good. So again, you can follow him at um Caddy Wampus on Facebook. Also they're on Instagram and Twitter and all that business, which you can probably find through the Instagram. And guess what? You can also find us through all of those means. Isn't that great? Except Twitter. Except Twitter. I don't know how to I don't know how to Twitter. Can't Twitter. No. Yeah, you can find us on uh, Facebook at Hey Hey NWA. You can find us on Instagram at Hey Hey NWA Podcast. Um, you can find us at Hey Hey NWA dot com. We're all over the place. Um, if you really like what we do and you want to support us financially, you can find us on Patreon dot com forward slash Hey Hey NWA. And this is a good time to bring up that uh, he said you really don't support the arts unless you <laughs> donate. <laughs> yeah, that's you. That's all of you. And truly, though, you really, I think you enjoy the art that you invest in. I think you sure. find more enjoyment out of it when you feel like you helped create it. Um, Absolutely. When you contribute to it. Um, anyway, uh, we do have rewards for people who do support us. Um, so everything from stickers to shirts to hanging out with us to getting some say in what we do. Yeah. Um, so if you want to be a part of, uh, that gang, then our gang, our gang, gang's all here. Gang's, gang's all here. Um, so you can, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash. Hey, Hey, NWA. Uh, later this week, we're going to have a local lowdown, which I'm pretty excited about. So, so excited. look forward to that. That'll be fun. Probably not going to talk about tacos. Unfortunately, I got no taco recommendations. Well, so keep your ears peeled, Northwest Arkansas, because I have a Friday night recommendation. So definitely listen to the local lowdown. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Hey Hey NWA. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week.